whimsy has always been a huge element in my art. I like to create things that they're not quite right. You know, they're just a little slanted and yeah. uh, I have always a lot of fun with it. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun. Two artists walk into a bar. Now stop me if you've heard this one. Listen in as artists and creators talk over drinks about their work, life, and the creative journey. Hey, welcome back to a whole new season of Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. We're kicking things off this year with Baja-based sculptor Jane Lillico. She created the flock of giant papier-mâché pelicans that inhabit the rafters of the Ida Victoria Gallery here in San Jose del Cabo. And she plies several creative trades here, including writing, design, and of course, visual art. Our bar is La Marea. It's a great little eatery tucked in between her house and mine. Listen in as we talk about making the migration from Vancouver to Mexico, what it's like to be an expat artist living here long term, and in what ways her location has impacted how she creates. You'll find links to all the things we talk about in the show notes at twoartistswalkintoabar.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for updates. There'll be a new episode coming out on the first Thursday of each month. We've got all kinds of interesting new artist stories to share with you this year, as well as a great collection of past episodes to listen to. If you like an episode, please share it with your arty friends. And if you love an episode, best way to show us that is by sending us around. To do that, just click on the martini glass icon on the website. Your support helps keep the show rolling and ad-free. You can follow the show on social media at two, like the number two, two artists podcast. And you can follow me, your host, at Carol McQuaid Art. Now let's head to La Marea and listen in as Jane and I talk about the realities of artists' life in the Baja, how the magic of a place can attract like-minded souls, and what the proper word is for a flock of pelicans. Here we go. Cheers. First of all, I am so excited to be sitting down and talking with you, Jane Lillico. It, when I first got back to Los Cabos this year, I kept hearing this woman's name everywhere I went. And I was like, who is she? Who is she? Last week, as I went through the art walk, every place I went, you had just been there. You were like this mystery, this beautiful mystery. (laughs) The elusive Jane. The elusive Jane. You do exist. And yeah, so I finally got a chance to meet you this past week. Saw your amazing place, your amazing artwork. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Oh, Carol, it's (laughs) such a pleasure. And uh, we have such an immediate connection. It's just been fantastic meeting you. I can see this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Our (laughs) listeners get to listen in on it. Lucky them. (laughs) Lucky them. (laughs) So we're in San Jose del Cabo. We're sitting in La Marea right now, which is one of my favorite breakfast spots in the morning and bars at night. How long have you been living down here? I have been here for actually over a decade. Yes, I moved here from Vancouver in 2008. I loaded up my car and drove with my son who was then 18 and my 12 year old Cocker Spaniel named Daisy. And uh, we drove all the way from Vancouver through San Diego. We spent a week there and loaded up on all the things we didn't think we could find in Baja. Yeah. And then three more days down the Baja. Yeah. So it was quite an adventure. How different was it then? Oh, you really can't imagine how different it was. Like there were so few resources for things, you know, Mm -hmm. the cell phones had only kind of started and, uh, 
the grocery stores were minimal and okay. there there was no well Costco had just opened yeah. and Walmart has opened since but really you had to kind of stock up everything in the Canada or the US and bring it with you in the old days yeah right and I've just finished doing a house and didn't have to bring a th- I came down with carry-on luggage and have a house full of like there's nothing you can't get here now yeah the real thing about San Jose is this art walk holy oh. smoke that's incredible. Was that established and happening when you yes, first got down Yes, it was. Down here? As a matter of fact, when I first came down to Baja, well, originally back in 92, no, mm-hmm. it wasn't here. But then when I started coming again in the early 2000s, the art walk was definitely starting up and I was fascinated by the resurgence of, you know, the old buildings and the way that the gallery owners were, were handling it and promoting it. And Art Walk started on Thursday nights uh, at least, I think, 11 or 12 years ago. Yeah. And it has grown to be quite a phenomenon Mm -hmm. and a worldwide attraction, actually. And it's the first place I became aware of you because I was at a concert last year. Actually, it was the first ever guest of the show. Oh. Melanie Decker. Oh, I love Melanie. Melanie's amazing. So singer-songwriter, Melanie Decker, episode one. (laughs) Look it up. (laughs) I was talking to her about how amazing she is stomping around on that stage in the Eda Victoria Gallery. And Mm. she told me the story of having those beautiful pelicans hanging over her head as she's playing her guitar with her heels on and almost sending one flying. And those are your pelicans yes they yeah. are so I uh, yeah I love them you've got your work in Eda Victoria yes so tell us a little bit about your work and the scope of your work and how you started to show down here first of all I had started my sculpture mainly as a hobby back in Vancouver when my son was very young and um, it had just progressed kind of as a hobby and then more people started paying attention to it and in 2007 I did my first solo and first one and only solo exhibition at the Art and Soul Gallery in uh, Vancouver on Robson Street. And that went for nine weeks and it was... The response was, you know, very positive in many ways. Most most comments were absolutely positive, but many of the people who commented said, get out of Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, so I started considering all the different options and where I could go. And this Baja, the art district and the art walk, it just kept calling my name and making me want to come here. So I arrived down here and I didn't, I was kind of an unknown and I was absolutely fascinated with the pelicans. Mm -hmm. So I would walk the beach every day with my dogs and I just kept studying the pelicans and I've been working in paper mache for many years and have been fascinated by the scope of what you can do with it. Because it's lightweight and you can create large pieces, it always felt to me like this optimal medium, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I started to think about creating pelicans. And uh, when I was talking to Ida, Victoria, one day, she said to me, what are you working on? And I said, I've just decided I'm going to create some flying pelicans. And she was like, oh my God, I want them. And I had always noticed that Ida's gallery was the only one in San Jose that had hooks in the ceiling. Something (laughs) most people wouldn't pick up on, but go on. They wouldn't pick up on that, you know. (laughs) And because she has such an amazing gallery and such a fantastic array of artists, her walls are always full. Mm -hmm. So I started to think, how am I going to get my foot in this door? And uh, when I looked up at the hooks and I thought, there's my in. So when Ida 
she loved my pelicans, and so I created a squadron of five pelicans. A squadron, I love it. Yes, <laughs> and that is actually what they're called. Yeah, you know, oh, it's, cool. It's lovely. You know, they call yeah. it the Mexican Air Force. Yeah, oh, great. <laughs> but I uh, created them. Each one was individual, and I actually called the group adios amigos uh-huh. and i named each one of them after one of my exes oh, adios amigos <laughs> oh, that's brilliant <laughs> so and with the one exception i called one john mm-hmm. after my father Aww. who had passed away like many years before and he was always my favorite mm-hmm. of the group but anyway it, it was a very popular group and a great story when people would come to the gallery and uh, then they gradually got sold off and I had to start thinking about what else am I going to do because Ida said hey I want I want you to have the hooks anything you can hang on there is you know it's yours anything so I really started to think about real estate here and how so many homes have more windows than walls Mm -hmm. and there's not really a lot of space to hang art Mm -hmm. but so many places have beautiful vaulted ceilings and uh, stairwells and great spaces if you look up that I thought, hey, there's this amazing untapped place to put art. I have one of those houses. You've got my wheels going now. Oh, good. <laughs> we, might, we might have to go down to the gallery after this. We might. <laughs> oh, cool. So cool. Li- literally, you know, I'm, I'm just looking up. I'm trying to think of things that will people can you know, have their imaginations expand upon. And yeah. whimsy has always been a huge element in my art. I like to create things that they're not quite right you know they're just a little slanted and uh, I have always a lot of fun with it so yeah Mm -hmm. oh fun and walking into your place the other day like your place is magnificent it's just it's it's so unique and beautiful and it's where I looked at you and said I have to take a picture of you right now because (laughs) your place is a portrait of you it's just it's incredible but I loved walking in and seeing your piano tell me about Mm -hmm. that piece Well, I call that piece triplicity, and it consists of two men and a woman sitting at a bar having drinks, and there's a very interesting dynamic that is going on between the three of them, and no two people get it the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's a fresco kind of designed to go on a wall. It can hang on a wall or it can sit on a surface, but it just seemed to fit my piano perfectly. So it looks like they're emerging from the piano like it is spectacular and it's all white and it's so it really encourages the imagination because there's no color in it it's just uh, very neutral and um, it I just think that it causes a lot of people to think Mm -hmm. and consider what the dynamic is yeah well uh somebody's getting a cappuccino here (laughs) we'll we'll ride that out either that or a margarita I don't know that's right it is about that time (laughs) cheers to that so you know they're kind of my friends and when I actually I on my second trip down to Baja I drove them in my car Mm -hmm. because I left them in Vancouver the first time yeah so I brought them down in my car and they occupied my full back seat and I could use the, the HOV, HOV lanes <laughs> because I had a car full of people, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And uh, so I, I have this ongoing party in my place. I never yeah. get lonely. And yeah. uh, it's, it's great. They're the best kind of company to have, right? Yeah. The bulk of your work is sculptural. You had mm. some paintings and a whole variety of things, but, but primarily what you're doing with the gallery mm-hmm. is paper mache. And yes. are you in other galleries or are you primarily... 
I'm actually on an exclusive basis with Ida in the uh, art district, mm -hmm. but I and really for my birds. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an agreement we have, but yeah. I I don't show my work anywhere else at the current time. I would like to show in Cabo and possibly up in Todos Santos. I need to produce a larger volume of work and yeah. some range. So I've been experimenting with different things and while paper mache seems to be my passion. Yeah. And uh, my nickname in town is Pelican Jane. I don't know if you <laughs> okay. knew that. But <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have done ink line etchings, like architectural portraits. Mm -hmm. uh, I do large scale embroidered tapestries. Mm -hmm. I, what else do I do? I've, I've done some painting and actually this winter I'm thinking about uh, creating some paintings. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's another area I'd like to do. And yeah. I'm also making some uh, sculptural 3D Baja maps that ah, can be hung on the wall. Very cool. Mm -hmm. And you have some other creative interests as well. Mm, many. I yeah. mean, I, I also am a writer. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that just my soul lives to create. Yeah. And um, I've inherited my mother's writing skills, and I started writing many years ago in educational and promotional writing in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And I did some work for product, you know, manufacturing and naming products and that sort of thing in Canada. And since I've been down here, I am being hired on contract basis to do writing for various websites in town, mm -hmm. mostly in the hospitality area, yeah, real estate, and basically website copy. I did the copy for a project up in La Paz called Playa de La Paz, which is a spectacular group of 24 residences on a beach there that is just to die for. Yeah. And uh, so I was lucky enough to go up and spend a couple of days there and meet the owner, developer, and really find the story behind that and yeah. had the privilege to write about that. So that was very cool. So you're living this diverse, creative life in this beautiful place. What's been the biggest wow for you, changing your life, moving things down here? And Wow. Yeah. Um, I would say the thing about Baja that gets me is that it's really the frontier. And it's changed so much in the last 10 years. But when I first came, it really seemed like I'd had my second teenagehood, you know, and mm -hmm. there were no rules. And we were allowed to sort of create our own rules and create everything as we went along. And there's a bit of rebel in me. I left home when I was 16. Mm -hmm. So I've always uh, loved that aspect of life and being able to color outside the lines and do whatever I want, make my own rules. But the wow thing, obviously, is the weather, the indoor-outdoor living and the ability to eat al fresco you know 10 months of the year it's pretty phenomenal when you come from saskatchewan yeah. and that's where you that's where i was born yeah i was actually born in moose jaw oh, which okay. is always a great conversation starter i am familiar with moose jaw you've been there well yeah i have it my family long before i was born they were all from there so we would make the pilgrimages back and forth and my dad was a rough rider so was he he played yeah oh, fantastic yeah, yeah. what years oh like a hundred years ago, really. Like, it's funny when I meet people from Saskatchewan. People from Saskatchewan are the best football fans Absolutely, on the, the planet. Absolutely, the most like, loyal fans. They love their yeah. roughies. And it's he, always your team. You never, yeah. No matter how far you travel, the Rough yeah. Riders are always your home team. Yeah, right? girl from Moose Jaw Absolutely. ends up living here on the beach in paradise, total freedom, and amazing. And what have been the challenges? Like, what kind of things surprised you? 
Well, you know, living in a third world country, there are a lot of challenges. Yeah. And Baja, in initially, you know, 10 years ago, there were no street signs. There was no GPS. Yeah. The t- utility companies don't have addresses. Yeah. You don't get your bills. They just cut you off. <laughs> you yeah. find out your bill's overdue when you don't have electricity. Mm-hmm. And how do you find the electric company? You just follow the power lines, you know? <laughs> for the tip <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you need a translator oh your your spanish is really good though Thanks. but um that those kind of things were a bit of a challenge yeah and remembering that your power bills do every two months and whether or not you get a bill you better get down there and pay it yeah everything is a little bit loose here yes and that's can be just the best thing in the world mm-hmm. and, and sometimes while, the worst thing yeah every once in a while yeah. it's a little like in the side of the head exactly and, yeah and of course learning a second language after you hit the age of 50 is always a challenge yeah. but I was pretty driven and because I'm a wordsmith and I enjoy language so much mm-hmm. um, and I spoke a bit of French from you know my childhood growing yeah. up in Canada I was challenged to learn Spanish mm-hmm. and I thought I I had sort of at least a start in it because I could speak like restaurant Spanish, you yeah. know, donde está el baño and yeah, yeah. dos cervezas por favor. Yeah, yeah, everybody's starting point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and how is it now for you? Muy bien, yeah. gracias. Yeah, sí. excelente. Yo hablo mucho, pero dificultades con escuchando. Sí, sí, sí. yeah, everything is so rapid. I came down here thinking I spoke Spanish. It was a little bit, of, yeah. It was a little bit of a rude awakening. It's like, oh, okay, and you know, trying to trying to run a construction site at my house has been, girl, that is a huge undertaking, especially when you're not fluent. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. it was funny because I hired a tutor online. I'll give them a plug here on. Uh, it's called Preply, and it's this site where Great. you find tutors any country, any subject, whatever. And I thought, well, I better find somebody. Mexican as compared to some other Spanish-speaking country, so I'd get the accent right. So I found this girl in Mexico City, and twice a week we sit down and have an hour-long conversation, and I ask her things like, how do you say baseboard? How do you say, like, all the little construction things you don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't come up in... Exactly, in, uh, in everyday conversation. Yeah. So I was telling her, like, I'm doing this because I thought I spoke Spanish, but these all these construction guys at the house, like, I, I can't understand what they're saying. And she's like, okay, well, I'll help you. And then in the middle of one of our sessions, my construction guy walked in and he's like, Senora Carol, and he starts talking to me and I'm like, uh, uh-huh. And she's, my computer screen's facing me and he's on the other side and her face looking at me is like, what? what? Like, she didn't understand <laughs> <no>. him either. <laughs> he left and she goes, I'm a Mexican. I have spent my whole life here and I think he was talking about your water. <laughs> like, yeah, he was. <laughs> I don't feel so bad. That is so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an everyday thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Fine, same. Like trying to build your vocabulary when you're not 15 is like getting those words to stick in there. And even things like, you know, setting up your cell phone and your outgoing message. Like I Mm -hmm. had to listen to that Spanish recording, I don't know, 20 times to even get the drill on, you know, how to record my outgoing message. And most of the people I know here don't even have one because they haven't figured it out yet. I keep getting these little messages from Telcel and they leave these messages that no one can understand. Like you, you talk about your construction guy. I had this message come in and honestly, I did not understand one word that was said and uh-huh. I've played it for several of my Mexican friends and not one of them understood anything that they said. <laughs> so at least you don't feel too bad. But. Yeah, there is a thing. So when you come to places like this, I love this. It attracts a certain type of person. Type of person. 
So you end up with these communities that are full of the most interesting, dynamic, risk taker mm -hmm. Absolutely. people. Yeah. So life just ends up being so different. And, and so interesting. You so know, interesting. I am fascinated with the people who choose Baja as yeah. their place to live because there is a certain spirit. It's a survival thing. It's a spirit of adventure. Uh, and as I said, coloring outside the lines, people who want to live a little differently. And I also feel that there's something very healing about Baja mm -hmm. and it attracts people who are injured and possibly need to heal from something. And there are more and more uh, healing modalities that are cropping up here all the time. Mm -hmm. And I envision healing centers and this just continuing to grow mm -hmm. and more and more people coming here from all over the world. Yeah, it is. It's a magical place. Absolutely. Yeah. So how different do you think your work is than it would have been if you had stayed put either in Saskatchewan or Vancouver? Like what did this move oh do to God. your work? It truly opened my mind in a way that I, I never would have experienced in Canada. I just think that the heat, the vibrance, the color, the people, just the Spanish, you know, way of life has opened my mind and my heart to, to a different level of art, different subjects that I would never have considered, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's really almost hard to imagine because, you know, once you know better, you do better. You think, yeah. if I was still in Canada, I probably wouldn't be doing as much art as I'm doing here. Yeah. You know, I probably have a more conventional job and life because yeah. I'd be working to live, you know. And yeah. that was really a key factor in my decision to come here because I felt I could take all the money I had and invested in a home in Vancouver yeah. and then spend my life working to get the money just to live. Yeah. Whereas here, I can live at a fraction of the cost, uh, live in this incredible climate that's almost perfect 10 months of the year instead of the other way around, and, and really live my life the way I want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in Vancouver, you may or may not have had giant pelicans hanging off of your deck. So you've got this kind of half round, how wide would that be, like 20 feet? It's about 18 feet 18 wide feet. and yeah. about eight feet deep, I think it is. And it's a semicircle. It's uh, it's all bench. I can fit about nine people on my bench. And yeah. it's fantastic to lie there and stargaze at night or sunbathe in the day. Yeah. And coming up your stairs, so all of a sudden, I'm like, I must be at the right place. There's this giant pelican hanging over a stairwell. and <laughs> It is a work of art. It's like being inside one of your sculptures or being in the ceiling Thank of you. the gallery. Yeah. Well, I've always been the kind, I'm an interior designer, I don't know if mm -hmm. that ever came up before, but um, in my design, I always consider everything is art. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, the way you live your life is art, mm -hmm. the way that you set your table is art, the way that just everything in your home is, mm -hmm. is art. And so, being able to create my own art has given me that ultimate freedom to really mold my environment, to trigger my imagination, to be my true happy place. Yeah. You know? And are you doing much design work down here? I am actually. I'm just, uh, I've done a couple of homes for a close friend of mine who bought a property and then didn't know what to do with it. So mm -hmm. I've done the conceptual work for the layouts and helped her with the construction supervision. And I've just uh, been approached to do another renovation project down in Casa del Mar. So it's, it's kind of sporadic. It's not my first choice because my passion is really 
in creating art, but um, I like to help people. And if it's a, a an interesting project and I've got some license to play, yeah, then I'm more inclined to get involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what's fun is our lives have followed a similar geographic trail, and really? my first career was in design. Like that's what I studied. And, uh, and I'm doing a design project here as well right now. So it's, I had to laugh when I walked into your place because we have all these things in common. Absolutely. And then I looked over at your sink and <laughs> we have the same ridiculous glass wine bottle in the shape of a fish as a soap dispenser. I know. I mean, isn't that incredible? I just, <laughs> when you said that, you don't have the little red bird in it too, by any chance, no, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> and that's so funny just because... Just when I thought my life was complete. <laughs> if I ever see another one, I'll get it for you. <laughs> You're right. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by all the parallels that we do have, and yeah. it seems like we're old souls that have reconnected in this life to... Yeah. Uh, rediscover different things you yeah. know about each other but we as you said we probably have a thousand things and people in common yeah and so you're 10 years ahead of me down here uh-huh would have been the biggest challenge i know we talked about the 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 general challenges for everybody here, right yes but for you would have been the biggest lessons out of all of this oh wow biggest lessons mm. i think that you know being a single woman and coming to Baja, there, there's a, a loneliness aspect that you sort of have to learn to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why they have telephones. And I find that, you know, when I get a bit lonely, I just look at my triplicity piece or phone my friends. Yeah. Um, but I also, I've, I've learned to be very independent. I always was quite independent, but it's made me even more so. And I think that um, you really have to learn to be your your own advocate one unfortunate incident happened four years ago I had a car accident and uh, I totaled my car and I broke my back and no one was really there to be my advocate and it was a real challenge to be um, you know on top of it and to deal with the Spanish-speaking medical professionals and everything everyone else who was involved in the situation the insurance companies and all that so being careful to really know what the rules are. There are so many different rules here in Mexico. It is a different country. Yeah. And so that's definitely been a big lesson. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's only made me stronger, you know, that which doesn't kill you. Yeah. I, and I, I'm amazed at the women that Baja attracts. Mm-hmm. And there are so many incredibly brilliant, independent, talented women who come here alone. I actually think it's a mecca for single men. Like if single mm-hmm. men knew about all the women down here, they would be coming here in droves. It is incredible. It, when I ran into you guys the other night at the Art exactly. Walk, there's this tribe of these beautiful goddess women walking around and, oh, and yeah. artists, creators, and surfers. It's, there is a dynamic here that is very different. You're right. It's so. very different. And, yeah. you know, it, it, not, not to knock the men, but there's a lot of men here who kind of are crusty old surfers and they can't afford to get a haircut yeah (laughs) so there's you know there's not a a a huge assortment of men or there hasn't been but I also noticed in the last few years that the influx of people coming to Baja has really stepped up in the last four or five years and I heard about a year ago that they're anticipating over 75,000 people moving here within the next 
three to five years. So yeah. Well, they're building places for them oh, all up and down the corridor. It's, it's, it's every time. It's nonstop. Yeah. Every time we do the drive into San Lucas, there's another building started. It's, it's amazing. Incredible. So I think we're and just on the edge of it. Yeah. And there's a younger dynamic too. For a while there, there really wasn't anything for someone in their twenties to do here, unless it yeah. was maybe timeshare or surf. Yeah. And. Now I see young professionals that are moving here doing things, everything from IT to restaurant management, hotel management, that sort of thing too. Yeah. I think the whole world is making that curve. Like there's an awesome podcast called The Offbeat Life. And uh, it's this young woman in New York, Debbie Archangelis, and she finds digital nomads. So people who just went, screw it, like sell the house beef up the van let's go and it's this influx of young people who are living very differently than like something that we didn't think was on the course list when we were coming through and some of us found our way into these offbeat things but yeah there's a there's a huge change and so you're seeing a different absolutely well it's reflective of you know the internet yeah the the 21st century is the age of connectedness you know whether it's through technology or spiritually or cosmically and there are so many options now for the younger generations to consider for, you know, that is non-conventional employment. Yeah. And so many things, you know, like even network marketing yeah. uh, that allow people the freedom to live wherever they want to live, work wherever they want to live, you know, work and yeah. just have that ultimate freedom. The nine to five thing, work for 40 years and yeah. die broke, you know, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's, you're not living a life. Yeah. And I think that this younger generation has really, you know, they got it. They're starting to really understand yeah. their options and, and taking them. So mm. when did you realize that art was going to be your life? That's a very interesting question, Carol, because I think I didn't realize it until I was close to my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had studied design and design was really my main course of Mm -hmm. uh, you know both my career and my interests I got into manufacturing through my career and so I ended up being kind of channeled off in a more commercial end of it but I always had more interest in the creative aspects and always wanted to create my own environment so manufacturing what manufacturing furniture believe it or not yeah Yeah. I I got into furniture manufacturing office systems Uh uh-huh ergonomic seating, yeah. uh, mo- mobile and modular walls. That uh, is very far from creating pelicans out of oh, paper. completely. <laughs> I mean, it was really corporate. Yeah. And as I said, then I got also channeled off writing. Uh-huh. So I would do a lot of training for the sales reps. Mm-hmm. I did showroom design and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So I did have some creative license in that phase of my life, but it was never nearly as creative as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But an interesting thing happened when my mom passed away four years ago. I was at her home cleaning out things and I found this roll of paper all wrapped up in brown paper and I unrolled it and it was all my drawings that I had done as a child. Oh, what a gift. Yeah, it was amazing, you know. And my mother had said to me one time when she was in her 80s, I always knew you would be an artist. And, you know, it was really interesting because I have two brothers. And there wasn't one piece of art from either one of them. It was just mine. And so it was kind of like a signal that my mother had left me that she believed in my art from way back. That is beautiful. Yeah, it's very cool. 
And what are your first memories of creating? Oh, wow. I remember the very first thing I drew was a reindeer. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, that wouldn't happen if you started your life down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I think it was leading up to Christmas, and yeah. I was having all these visions, you know, of Rudolph. Yeah. I, I was always I, loving to have my hands in goo and paint, yeah. and I, I just, I, I know that I always wanted to create. I, you know, and I've also had a very creative mind when it comes to, like, repairing things or, you know, the old jerry-rigging trick where... Yeah something doesn't work and I can usually figure out how to make it work so yeah I've always been a girl with a toolbox and I've got my drill and my saw and so you know because of that and because I've had to be so independent all my life it's made me creative because I've had to have the tools and then I always think of some way to use the tool (laughs) just a natural curiosity totally so your work is in the gallery here you're doing some design work as well Mm -hmm. what's the buying culture here like who's buying your work where is it going Well, primarily, because my pieces are generally so large, Mm -hmm. you know, I do have this philosophy that's go big or go home, and size matters. For our listeners, they can't see it, so tell us exactly how big these pieces are. Okay. Well, the pelicans are full-size, life-size pelicans with a six-foot wingspan. So when I put them on my king-size bed, three of them would take up the whole bed, just to give you an idea. Yeah, that's not going to fit in carry-on. By necessity, most, most of my buyers are here in Baja. Mm-hmm. And they are being put in their homes. One husband bought one for his wife when she was away. And they had an atrium as you come in the front entrance. And he hung it so that it was flying like right at you at eye level <gasps> when you walked in the front door. Brilliant. I haven't actually had a chance to go see it. But he said when his wife got home, she just about had a heart attack. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Two of them are in a beautiful palapa right on Palmia Beach, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And it, they seem very at home there. Yeah. And, uh, I've also learned uh, over the last few years to create my birds um, in a way that they can be disassembled. I've done swans where the head and neck will unscrew and they can fold up into a little box and then be assembled. Uh, So I am downscaling a little bit just for practicality. I have also done a suitcase series, which I did for Art Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I created a whole series of pieces that would fit inside a suitcase. I, it sparked some ideas for me for saleability down here. Mm-hmm. That if I make it, you know, so it will fit in a carry-on bag, then it's more likely to be taken back to Canada or the States or something. It's beneficial to have a little dose of <laughs> reality, reality <laughs> periodically. Yes. Not too much. <laughs> Not too much. Exactly. <laughs> so you did Art Vancouver. Yes, I did. Yeah, on their inaugural year, actually. Oh, Lisa Wolfen cool. is a, yeah. a great friend of mine, and uh-huh. uh, she had wanted me involved. I don't love doing shows anymore. I just feel like I'd rather spend my time and talents elsewhere. Yeah. But it was important for her, and I thought this is a good opportunity for me to show my work. So Lisa Wolfen is a Vancouver artist. I interviewed her not for the podcast, but when I was interviewing for CFRO in Vancouver on Arts Rational. Mm -hmm. And we we were doing the interview at Art Vancouver. So complete mayhem. Like just complete mayhem. (laughs) And it was yeah, it was, it was my most reportery moment because I had to wait all night to like have a moment with her. She was just getting mobbed with people. And it was going on air that night or it would be oh useless God. like right. the, the show was then. So I had to literally run down to the parkade, find the one place I could get enough um, 
signal right. to send it to the radio station and super fun. But, oh, good uh, for you. So she's created this very cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, talk about visionary. You yeah. know, she really had this idea and she's run with it and it's it's a growing success and she's yeah. doing really well with it. And she lives in Vancouver, but part-time down here as well. Well, they have been. Uh, she and Matt had two homes down here, and mm. they've, they've been timeshare fans for many years. And yeah. so they come down, and they'll stay sometimes two or three months. I believe they've sold both their properties here, but they still have their timeshares. So I'm hoping that they'll be coming down this year. Yeah. I'd love to spend time with them. That's just mm. part of there is this dynamic of who comes down here, and it's, yeah. True, and you have your, your summer friends and your winter friends, mm -hmm. and then the shoulder season becomes this crazy crazy, frenetic time where you have to see all of the people who are going to be busy with all their winter guests. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like this little window in October, November, and then again in May, June yeah. before everybody leaves for the summer. And so it's kind of like you have to grab the moment and use it and enjoy it and, you know, love the one you're with. So when you think about, I mean, you're in a great gallery. I'm sure that you move things. Yes. Mm -hmm. What do you see being your next body of work do you have an idea of where you're going I'm fascinated by light and I believe that light affects us in so many ways that I have been experimenting with backlit paintings and uh, backlit sculpture mm -hmm. so and actually sculptures that may even be light emitting or translucent sculptures oh, okay uh, you may recall the light fixtures in my front entry that yes, I, yes. I experimented oh. with tissue paper mm -hmm. to create the lenses for the wall sconces. Yeah. And uh, so I've found different techniques to um, allow for light transmittal and also with all these wonderful new light technologies that mm -hmm. aren't hot, you can really play with them with paper, which yeah. is, you know, it's a little bit like playing with matches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fire. So the first few times I did light fixtures out of paper mache, I was very attentive. I, would, I wouldn't leave the house with them turned on and, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So it's amazing what some of the new technologies are allowing us to do. So, yeah, yeah light. So backlit paintings is definitely an area. Uh, I'd like to create a bronze. You know, mm -hmm. Frank Arnold is a dear friend of mine and a, has been mentoring me over the years. Yeah, he's amazing. He's been just yeah. such an inspiration yeah. and a, a, a great person for our art community here. He has encouraged me to create a, a bronze, so I'm working toward my, my first bronze. Oh, mm -hmm. fabulous. Yeah, I could, yeah. I could absolutely see your work as a bronze as a bronze yeah. but I said uh, it isn't going to be a bird in flight you know yeah. what I mean because yeah. to me the things that are are aerial uh the paper just lends itself to yeah. that particular you know expression I get that another thing that you were working on that I thought was really cool you're doing those big three-dimensional initials tell me about those well I call them signature initials and mm -hmm. they are truly a one-of-a-kind unique piece of original art to celebrate a loved one on the uh, you know it could be a milestone birthday or a wedding or the birth of a child the brainwave came to me actually when Oprah Winfrey had her 50th birthday and I wanted to show her how much I appreciated her and her impact in my life and even though she didn't know me from Adam mm -hmm. I thought I want to send her a gift for her birthday oh, wow. uh -huh. so for you know, a few months before her birthday, I created my first O with her signature, which I managed to steal off some website. Yeah. The signature is actually emblazoned across the front of the initial, 
and then it's painted to express the person's personality or you know if I know their favorite color or uh, I have one friend here whose name is Pepita and she's a very wild and you know woman with flair and yeah. panache and uh, I did hers in a leopard print oh brilliant <laughs> that's how they started and yeah. over the past I would say 15 years I have done I think close to 30 of them mm-hmm. and right now I'm working on a couple that uh, are due on a deadline on Friday so yeah. that's okay. what I'll be doing this <laughs> afternoon <Right on. laughs> but I love doing them and they're you know they're not too large they're uh, such a great expression of the person's personality it's uh, absolutely echoes who they are you know after when my mom passed away I'd given her one for her 90th birthday when she passed away we felt it was one of the things that we wanted to have at the funeral yeah because it really showed her and I thought maybe they could even be urns you could cut a hole in them and put your ashes in them and that Why could not? be your legacy that you leave behind to your family yeah Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because when I saw them after I left your place, I was thinking about my dad's signature and I was thinking about the letters and how you grew up seeing that all the time. And it's so, yes. so much a part of like a lot of people will get somebody's signature tattooed on them or, exactly, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it just made me think that's so much who he is. It's interesting. I could see that being a, an interesting mm-hmm. way to do that. And it's a great way for me to show someone how much I love them and how mm-hmm. I honor the friendship or, yeah. or whatever as well. And, but as a gift for some, sometimes girls will get together as a group gift for someone for their 50th birthday or something yeah. like that. And it's, it's so meaningful and it's lovely mm-hmm. to have a piece of original art. That is yeah. awesome. Well, fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the ones that you're working on finished. Yes, yeah. you'll definitely get a chance to see them. Well, speaking of fun, so the mm-hmm. show is called Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I don't know if you have a punchline tucked up your sleeve for me or a joke or a funny story related to your art life that you can share with us. Well, you know, I've given this a lot of thought when you asked me to do this interview and I've, it's not that common to have a joke about art. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like jokes that artists get are kind of esoteric and maybe no one yeah. else gets them, yeah. you know. But Our listeners are those esoteric yay. people. Well, so we love those run. esoteric people, right? <laughs> so, you know, I have a dear friend, Christopher Molyneux, who, who is a comic. He's a, he specializes in comedy. He's done his master's in comedy. And one of his lines, which will always stay in my mind, is it's the old thing, you know, two people, two artists go in a bar, they start talking to the bartender, the bartender says, what do you guys do? Oh, we're artists, right? Oh, what kind of art do you do? Oh, well, I'm a painter, one says, and the other one says, well, I'm a sculptor, and and the bartender says, well, you should just bring your art in here, you know, be, we could show it for you, you know, and they said, well, would you pay us? Mm-hmm. No, of course not, you know. <laughs> And so the bartender says, well, but it would be such great exposure for yeah. you. And Christopher said, I have to remind you that one can die from too much exposure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when they go to give you your bill at the end of the drinks, it's like, oh, no, we just wanted to give your, your beer your some, ex- some exposure. <laughs> some exposure. <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. Awesome. So. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk with me. We're going to turn the mics off, but I'm going to keep you here and pick your brain. And I just loved hearing your stories and look forward to hearing lots more. Yay. Thank you, Carol. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Right on. You've been listening to Two Artists Walk Into a Bar. I'm your host artist, Carol McQuaid. For full show notes and all the links, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com. If you liked the episode, remember to subscribe, sign up for updates, and leave us a review. And if you loved the episode, head to twoartistswalkintoabar.com and buy us our next round. Cheers. <laughs>